0: Well, good evening. It is time for our Wednesday night Bible study, and I'm so glad that you could join us. And if you miss part of this or if for some reason Facebook or the video stream decides it doesn't want to work, uh, the video will be up on YouTube in its entirety um, after the broadcast, and so you can find it there. We'll put it on the website as well. So a couple things before we get into the Word tonight. Um, I just want to ask you guys for your prayers in a couple of matters. First of all, is the the Jones family, Roger and Sandy Jones. They lost their son Dusty uh, to cancer just a couple of days ago, and uh, that's my cousin. And uh, so the family is feeling the loss of that. We did get a chance to to um, you know gather with Dusty before all the outbreak and all that stuff happened. So it is it was a good time for us all to re reconnect um, one last time. But if you'll just remember that family in your prayers. And just pray that the God of all peace would just rain peace down upon them and show them his great and immeasurable love and the the rock solid hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Also, Brother Tom, Tom Russell is home from the hospital, but he is scheduled to go back on Friday for surgery to have his gallbladder removed. So would you all just remember him in your prayers, Uh, remember the family in your prayers so that that he would come through that with flying colors and we know that he's going to do well because god is with him and uh, just pray that for for god to be with all those that have any any uh charge of his care we just want tom to be well to get back with us remember Jeanette uh, and her family she lost her her granddad this morning so uh, keep them lifted up in your prayers as well um, so with that being said um, if you will guys will join me in prayer we're going to go to god's word and we always want to pray before we do that so uh, let's all bow and pray father god we come to the name of jesus and just thank you for who you are god we pray that in this time of uncertainty that your name would be hallowed we know that even though things are crashing around us and even though everything is just kind of come up by surprise that you are not one bit surprised by any of this none of this has caught you off guard you are the god that holds all things in your hand and you see the end from the beginning. And we know because your word tells us that even in the middle of all this, you are working it for our good and for your glory. So Father, we just pray that your name would be hallowed, that in this time when churches can't meet, that you would cause us to have a a renewed hunger for the gathering together of the saints, that for all those people who love your house, Lord, I pray that you just give them a, a yearning uh, increased yearning for your house and for your name to be worshipped and to be praised, Father. Help us to be missional during this time. Help us to to seek to help others during this time, Father. We lift up the 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 issues that that I just mentioned, the the, the Jones family and and Jeanette as they suffer the loss of a loved one. Father, we lift up Brother Tom and we we ask you to to work in that situation to do what you do well. Father, we just love you. We thank you for your word. I ask that you open the light of your word to us. Help us to see the treasure that is hidden within it. Help us to love it. Let it be like honey upon our lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. So I'm, what I'm going to do is switch to my iPad screen and and go from there so we can zoom in on the words and you can see how I, you know, I'm going to try to write some things down and hopefully we'll be able to get through this together. And uh, so, I'll see you on the iPad. Okay, so let's read the passage really quick. We're going to be, it's 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 11 tonight. So, let's begin in uh, verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that you are, we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer the wrong? Why not rather be defrauded, but you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brother's? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, so that's verses one through eleven, and honestly, uh, verse eleven or you know nine through eleven kind of they tie in to what comes next, uh, verses twelve through the the rest. But um, this is where. There's a good division here, so we're just going to go one through eleven and and hopefully we'll be able to get through that tonight. so if you'll bear with me just for a few minutes I'm I'm going to, we'll take it verse by verse like we normally do and this is going to be somewhat different because we don't we're not together to, to have a discussion about it, but um, I'll just give you my thoughts and i I would encourage you to discuss in your own homes about you know what what this is saying. Just like uh, well, you would have a normal Bible study where you would pick out the scriptures and and discuss it with one another. This is it is good for us to do that. It's good for us to dig into the Word and to talk about what what it is saying and what it means, and to to discover the the riches and the the treasure that is hidden. In God's Word. So I encourage you to discuss this on your own. I'll give you my thoughts. They're by no means definitive or, you know, this not thus saith the Lord. The Lord said in His Word. I'm just, just trying to extract what it was that He said. And uh, so anyway, let's get to it. So beginning in verse 1, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Now, already, just by the language that he uses here, like this word here, does he does he dare, does he dare go to law? Um, that tells me that Paul's not happy, and he, Paul hasn't been happy in in most of so far in this book that he's written, this letter he's written to the Corinthians. Um, so he, he, he's got some grievances with them. He loves them as Christian brothers. He rejoices over them as Christian brothers and sisters, but there's, there's some error that has entered into how they do things, and Paul is you know, trying to address that. There's some arrogance, you know, as we've talked about in weeks past. And so, um, oh, and some sexual immorality going on, and, and Paul, you know, he's got some things to deal with, and we've just come off of that in chapter 5, and Paul's like, I can't believe y'all are doing this, and that y'all allow this, and that y'all are even celebrating it. And so, you know, Paul's that's fresh on his mind when he comes into this. And now, now people in the church are suing one another in uh, civil courts, uh, secular courts, you know, unrighteous courts. And when by unrighteous, Paul isn't talking about; uh, he's not making a moral judgment on the the judges outside of the. The church. I mean, they were probably fine judges who, who applied the law. Uh, you know, um, well, they probably applied the law with with uh, with impartiality, and they were good at what they did. But he's saying unrighteous is that they are not. They're not saved. He's talking about their their affiliation with with the church and with Jesus Christ. So says when he calls talks about the unrighteous folks. He's not saying that they're morally corrupt, but that they don't know Christ and they don't understand the the hope that we have in Christ. They don't know the ways that Christians are supposed to act. They don't know the laws that we follow, the the scriptures that we adhere to. So how can they judge righteously? How can they judge a way that the that God would have them judge or follow the rules that God would have them follow because they don't they don't understand them. They can't see them. They're they're blind to them. They haven't been brought into the body of Christ. So he says, when one of you has a grievance, so let's identify the audience. Obviously, we know from from weeks past, Paul is talking about the church. One of you, so that's one of the church, has a grievance against another. Who is this another that he's talking about? Well, it's another of the church. And we know this because in verse, where is it? In verse 5, he says, I say this to your shame. Can it be there's no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? This is the church. But brother goes to law, that's a lawsuit, against against brother. This is a this is a, a dispute within within the church. Christian against Christian. And so Paul has a, a big problem with this. When one of you has a, a grievance, a legal dispute, this is what he's talking about because he says you go to law, that's to court. To law is to court. You have a legal dispute against another. Now he's not talking about if, if someone has a criminal dispute, you know, someone has stolen property from you or they've done physical harm. You know, criminal disputes are handled by the, the, the government, and Paul addresses that in Romans, he addresses that in Acts, he even appeals to the government in Acts, um, you know, for criminal matters. So Paul doesn't have any problem with, with the courts, the, the civil courts handling criminal issues. It's these, these personal civil issues that we have in the church, Paul says, you guys shouldn't be taking that outside the church, that should be kept inside the church. It says, how dare you go before the unrighteous, the unrighteous, that's the unsaved, non-Christian people, instead of the saints. So what does this mean? Instead of the saints. So, Paul isn't saying you shouldn't have disputes, and Paul isn't saying you shouldn't have dispute resolution, or that you shouldn't have unresolved disputes. He's saying you shouldn't take your disputes outside the church. You make the church look bad. Why are you taking um, your disputes to someone who doesn't even adhere to the same rules that we do, who doesn't know the same glory that we know? Don't you know, verse 2, do you not know that the saints will be judges of the world? That's, That's this right here. The world and the unrighteous, those are the... We're going to judge the world. In the final day, we'll, be, we'll take part in the judgment of the, of the wicked when, when um, everyone is cast into outer darkness. You know, We who are heirs and joint heirs to the throne, the throne of judgment, the throne of righteousness, we will judge the unrighteous along with Christ. And if the world is to be judged by you, judged by you, are you incompetent to trial? try trivial cases? Basically, you know, what he's saying is that in the final days, the, the matters that we're going to be adjudicating, the matters that we're going to be judging uh, in, in eternity, in glory with Christ, are so much weightier matters than anything we will deal with on this planet. And yet you are incompetent to try trivial cases. Anything on this planet is trivial. Nothing in this life is compares to what's coming the importance of anything in this life nothing compares to what is coming do you not know that we are to judge angels now this this is a source of confusion for a lot of people and it's a source of confusion in a ton of the commentaries that you'll read you know some people say that you know we will judge all angels Uh, But Paul doesn't say, we're missing a word here that would make it say that. He doesn't say you are to judge the angels. He just says you are to judge angels. So I think the most uh, faithful reading of this would be just like where we are to judge the world. You know, in in, in the, the meeting out of justice or judgment to the unrighteous, we will judge the fallen angels. And I'm not, I don't think I'm adding to the text when I say that. That just. That's what seems to make most sense to me. In, inasmuch as we take part with Christ in, in the judgment of the unrighteous, uh, we'll take part with him in the judgment of Satan and the, the fallen angels. So I believe that's, that's what Paul is getting at right there. So he says, How much more then the matters pertaining to this life, if we're going to be part of judging celestial beings... You know, these angels, then how much more, how much more than the matters pertaining to this life? We ought to be righteous judges in matters pertaining to this life. Do you remember back in the first part of this book, uh, 1 Corinthians, he told them, I ought to be able to talk to you as spiritual people, but I can't. I have to talk to you as physical, as flesh people. You ought to be on the meat of the word, but you're on, I have to feed you with milk because you're not mature. You're immature. And he's saying you, you, you should be mature enough to handle matters pertaining to this life. This takes maturity. A mature Christian would be able to make a righteous judgment about matters pertaining to this life. And if you were mature, you wouldn't be taking your your issues outside of the church. You would be dealing with your problems within the church. Brother to brother, you would resolve your issues together. So if you have such cases, what what are these cases? Cases where uh, you can't come to a resolution. Cases where you need someone to arbitrate a resolution for you. Why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? Now, that's the unrighteous. Unrighteous have no standing in the church because they can't understand. They don't know righteousness. Do you see that? I say this to your shame. Paul is not, is not telling them that... He's not giving them any kind of compliment here. He said, shame on you. Is it possible there is no one among you that is wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? You are all so immature that there is nobody who can settle a dispute between you. But instead, brother goes to law against brother. And here's the big part here's the really big part. And that before unbelievers? Are you kidding me? Do you know what kind of a witness you are giving about the church and about our unity when you take, uh, when you. Uh, sue a brother outside the church when you take him to law outside the church oh you're 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 putting a, a black mark on the the body of christ you're making us look bad to people who don't know what unity we're supposed to have because you are not displaying unity you know jesus said they will know you by your love one for another they will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And Paul is saying, you are not showing love one for another. When you sue your brother, your Christian brother, in a court. You're just, you're just you're just putting, you're besmirching the church. You're making us look bad. Verse 7. And this is where Paul gets really to the crux of it. You know, it's one thing to have a dispute. He's not saying disputes aren't going to happen because you can see the language that he uses up here where he says where he says um instead uh where do you say here instead of the saints so you go to law instead of to the saints you go to law before the unrighteous instead of to the saints so you know he's not saying that you shouldn't have that we're not going to have disputes we are going to have disputes disputes happen he says you should be able to manage those disputes within the body of Christ. You shouldn't have to go to court to manage those disputes. And if you guys respected the authority of the church, and the authority of the believers in the church, the authority of the Word of God, you shouldn't have any problem managing your disputes among yourselves. But then he gets to the real, the real issue in verse 7. Look what he says. To have lawsuits, lawsuits at all, with one another. Now again, this is one another is in the church. is already a defeat. Lawsuits at all is already a defeat. And why is that? Why would it be considered already a defeat? Well, just look what he says next. Wouldn't you rather suffer the wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? And and my question would be for what what end? To what end? Paul is saying you you should you should just take the wrong. You should just you know let let yourself be defrauded rather than going and having a lawsuit even in the church. And so the question is to what end? And if you remember what we've been talking about uh, in our in-person services over the last couple of weeks, all of life to the glory of God. And this is what this is. This displays the glory of God. When you willingly lay down your weapons, you know, we all have our rights, you know, in America especially, we are so in love with our rights that we will not let anyone infringe Upon our rights. That is my right. And you're not going to infringe upon my right. And we'll fight for that right. But Paul says. Would you not rather suffer wrong? And I'm going to add here. Because I believe this is what Paul is getting at. Would you not rather suffer wrong. So that God may be seen. As great. Why not not rather be defrauded, so that God may be seen as great. Say, you know, that's fine. You this has happened. I don't I don't really like it, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna pursue this. I'm gonna give you a pass on this, dear brother, because I love you and because God loves you, because He loved me. All of life for the glory of God. How much how much suffering did Jesus do? How much wrongful suffering did Jesus endure to bring glory to God? And I think that's what the crux of it is. And then Paul says, But you yourselves wrong and defraud. So there are some in the church who have caused issues, who have who have lied, who have wronged, who have cheated the other brothers in the church. And that is what is bringing rise to this whole issue. Those who felt like they have been wronged have taken those who were doing the wrong to courts outside the church. So we've got a problem on the on the the victim end, the person who has been wronged is going outside of the church to resolve the issue. But we've also got a problem inside the church with with wrong arising from within the church. So there's wrong going on all the way around. And he's like, how can you do this? You yourselves are wrong, wronging even your own brothers. You're defrauding your own Christian brothers. And Paul, Paul should ask, and we should reasonably ask, if someone is claiming to be a Christian, but is wronging their Christian brothers, are they really even saved? I think it's a reasonable question to ask, but Paul does call them brothers so uh, you know he's not saying that they're not saved, but he, I think it does bring the question can you can you really call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ if you're if you're doing this stuff, if you're if you're putting if you're wronging uh, and defrauding other people, even in the church? because he says, or do you not know? verse 9. This is, this is like a statement of, of surprise where he says, there, do you not know? It's like, what? Are you kidding me? That's what Paul's saying here. What? Are you kidding me? Do you not know? The righteous will not inherit the kingdom of the unrighteous. <laughs> That's a big one. you got to make sure you get that. Unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, don't be deceived by this. And he lists off this, this list of of sinful behaviors, things that define people, you know, idolaters, adulterers, uh, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, and such were some of you. I think it, we need to point that out here visually. sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, you. That is to me devastating. This is what this is where we were. This is where all of us were. We may have fallen into one of these categories or more of these categories. And I, one of the things that I think gets most people and they don't even realize it is this one right here, idolaters. We in this country have so many idols it is not even funny Uh, nothing about idolatry is funny but we we have so many idols that we don't even recognize we don't even realize that they're idols for us but there are so many things that we put before God the first commandment love God with all your heart your body your mind and your spirit loving with everything you've got and we fall short of this I think so many times he said such were some of you you were, you were idolaters you were greedy you were drunkards you were revilers but the blessed thing the beautiful thing is that you didn't stay that way this same you is this you here this but you Were, you were washed so all that all that was made was taken away all of that was covered all of that was washed away greedy thieves homosexual swindlers there's not there's not a sin out there that cannot be washed and just just stricken just erased from your record if you will there's not one of them that can't be erased you were you were washed and sanctified so that doesn't even that doesn't even apply to you anymore because because you have been washed and you have been sanctified and you have been justified you've, you''ve this is this is a legal term here justified you have been brought before the court and you have been made right all all accusations against you have been waived there's nothing against you anymore you've been justified you've been made holy you righteous you have been made clean you have been made pure where how in In the name of the Lord Jesus. That's a big deal right there. In the name. That means in the authority of Jesus. In in the power of Jesus. Not my own power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. In the power. This is the conduit. This is the channel. This is the access that we have to being washed, sanctified, and justified. And it is by the Spirit. The Spirit. By the Spirit. This is the moving agent. Not me. Nothing I did to make myself washed or sanctified or justified. But it was the Spirit that washed and sanctified and justified me. And, And the Spirit is the the moving agent and Jesus is the conduit Jesus is the channel he is the open door that allowed me to have access to this spirit that washed and sanctified and justified me. This legal term here. So that's where Paul gets all, all down here. All this, this legal issues. You're having legal disputes and, and issues with one another. And you're making the church look bad because you're suing each other outside the church. And and even beyond that, you should be able to resolve issues within the church, with yourself, and you shouldn't even be going to the courts. You shouldn't even be going to, to a court within if you have to sue somebody you've already lost. Why not rather be defrauded? Look at what you've been look at what's been erased. Look at all that all that that mess that's been you've been wiped, cleaned up. Look at all that you've been forgiven of. Why don't why don't you just just step back off your high horse and why don't you suffer some wrong? Why don't you do a little suffering for a while? Why don't you take some, the high road, you know, for the glory of God, so that Christ may be seen to be all in all? And someone will look at you and say, well, why would you let someone treat you that way? And, and they'll ask you that question. Why would you let someone treat you like that? Because Jesus loves them, and He loves me, and He's forgiven me of so much. Who am I to hold anyone else to account? it just makes god look glorious and goodness what what better thing could we do well i hope that was beneficial for you i hope you got something out of it go ahead and leave us a question or a comment in the in the comment section you know we can't meet together and i i really i love interacting with you guys that's that's part of the joy for me on wednesday nights is being able to have that back and forth discussion. Um, since we can't do that in person, maybe we can do that digitally. I don't know, we'll, we'll try it out, see what happens. But uh, if you have questions, or if you have comments, leave them in the, in the comment section. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I do wanna remind you that if you wanna be faithful to the Lord in your giving and, and practice joyful obedience in that, we, we do have that option available for you online on our website at www.fwcchurch.com. Uh, I love you guys. I'm praying for you. And remember, if you need anything at all, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can do that through Facebook Messenger. You can text me directly. You can text the number that uh, the church text messages come from. You can just reply to one of those text messages. Those come straight to me. You can go to our website and fill out a prayer request form. That comes straight to me as well. We're here to help you. We're here to get through this together. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys again. God bless you, and uh, see you on Sunday. Bye-bye.